This is a Cross and Crown Church production. For other resources, please visit crosscrownchurch.com. Book title, The Kingdom Driven Life. Author, Sunday at Elijah. Published by Cornerstone Publishing. Copyright 2015. Narrated by Jason Garwood. Chapter 3. Parables of the Kingdom. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables, and without a parable spake he not unto them. Matthew 13:34. Jesus demonstrated the reality of the kingdom of God through his teachings as well as his lifestyle. He revealed to his listeners the supreme value of the kingdom, explained the cost and requirements to enter the kingdom, and exposed the enemies of the kingdom, largely through his kingdom parables. His stories illustrated the nature of the kingdom, revealing the king's generosity and benevolent kindness to those who would seek the kingdom. Jesus also told parables to denounce those who were too religious to enter the kingdom and who hindered others from entering. Jesus preached the message of the kingdom to anyone who would listen, his disciples who followed him, the multitudes who heard him gladly, the religious leaders who hated him. As you study the life and teachings of Jesus, it is clear that extending his Father's kingdom was the ultimate priority and purpose of Jesus' life. The driving force, the passion for everything Jesus said and did during his lifetime, was to restore the kingdom of God. Yet, the disciples did not easily understand his kingdom message, neither did the multitudes who heard him teach. Even the religious leaders of that day failed to grasp the truth of his kingdom message. When Jesus revealed to them the kingdom lifestyle, it often seemed contrary to the law of God they had been taught. For example, his admonition to love your enemies cut across the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth retribution of the Mosaic law. They equated this with justice and righteousness. These religious leaders were offended when Jesus healed on the Sabbath which to them was an obvious violation of the Mosaic law. In many ways, the laws and principles of the kingdom that Jesus taught did not remotely resemble the religious lifestyle of the day. These teachings trampled on the accepted norms of the religious traditions and culture. The religious leaders fumed with anger against Jesus and the kingdom message, yet the multitudes marveled at his words and stood in awe of his miracles. Many acknowledged that he must have come from God because of the miracles they witnessed. Still, it seems even they could not grasp the significance of his teaching regarding the kingdom of God. They declared that he taught as one with authority, Matthew 7.29. But the truth of the kingdom principles Jesus taught sounded strange to their ears. Even Jesus' disciples, who walked with him during his entire ministry on earth, did not seem to get it when he taught them that he was restoring the kingdom of God. Their lack of understanding of the kingdom reality seems fairly consistent throughout the narrative of the scriptures. Yet, Jesus relentlessly preached only the kingdom of God and its extension throughout the earth. Using word pictures that the common person could relate to, his parables often began with, The kingdom of God is... He portrayed, in ordinary picture language, the extraordinary nature, benefits, value, power, and priority of the Father's kingdom that he was establishing on the earth. Brad Young, 
author of Parables, Jewish Tradition and Christian Interpretation, gives us some interesting insight into the nature of Jesus' parables. Quote, The reality of God is revealed in the word pictures of a parable. Jesus and the rabbis of old taught about God by using concrete illustrations that reach the heart through the imagination. They challenged the mind on the highest intellectual level by using simple stories that made common sense out of the complexities of religious faith and human experience. On the one hand, the infinite terms that describe God are beyond human comprehension, but on the other, His infinite majesty may be captured in vivid stories of daily life. The Greek word for parable is parabole and means a comparison or analogy. Young explains, quote, The dramatic image of a story illustration is thrown out as a comparison of the reality of the source with its fictional representation in words. It may refer to a saying or story example. Jesus of the Synoptic Gospels loves to use miniature plays to communicate his message. The word picture of the parable creates a drama that describes in clear terms the reality being illustrated. End quote. In his parables, Jesus compared and contrasted the realities of the kingdom of God with the common pursuits of mankind in every sphere of life, including relationships, economics, standards of righteousness, love and forgiveness, mercy and justice. For example, he taught the transforming power of the kingdom through the picture of leaven that transforms dough or a grain of wheat falling to the ground to die in order to bear much fruit. And he illustrated the nature of the kingdom, which is love and true humility, with a story about a good Samaritan. Illustrations of the Kingdom On another occasion, when the disciples asked Jesus who was the greatest in the kingdom, Jesus took a little child and used him as his object lesson to respond to their question. Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 18, 2-4 In contrast to the humility characterized by a little child, the Pharisees and religious leaders were known for lording it over the common people and considering themselves superior to others. Jesus pronounced woes upon them for this proud, I will ascend attitude attributed to Satan himself, Isaiah 14, 14. He declared, Woe unto you, Pharisees, for ye love the uppermost seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets, Luke eleven forty three. Of course, the kingdom of God is supremely characterized by love. The scriptures declare that God is love, 1 John 4 a. When the lawyer, an expert in the Mosaic law, tested Jesus with the question, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus asked him to answer his own question from his knowledge of the law. The lawyer was able to respond correctly, saying, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Luke 10.27 Jesus assured him that he had given the right answer. But the lawyer, evidently feeling foolish and wanting to justify his question, feigned confusion about who his neighbor was. Verse 29. To answer him, Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan who helped the wounded man on the road to Jericho, 
citing the failure of the priest and the Levite to stop and help this unfortunate man. Of course, the Samaritan, who was considered an outcast of Jewish society, proved to be the neighbor to the wounded man, exhibiting the love and generosity that the religious men failed to demonstrate. Through these vivid dramas of life, Jesus continually revealed the nature of his Father's kingdom. He taught the love of the Father, his humility, generosity, kindness, and mercy. He also addressed the Father's lack of regard for unloving religious attitudes. On one occasion, when Jesus was teaching the priority of seeking first the kingdom of God, he reassured his disciples, saying, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Luke 12, 32. Notice what the Father's pleasure is, to give the kingdom to his children. Understanding the revelation of the kingdom and living it is God's ultimate pleasure for us Christians. It must become our ultimate desire and pursuit in life. The Permeating Power of the Kingdom The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. Matthew 13.33 Leaven is a substance that causes the fermentation of dough in bread affecting a change to every molecule of the dough. Yeast, a common leaven used in bread, forms a carbon dioxide gas which bubbles through and lightens and expands the batter or dough while it is baking. It is a single-celled organism that changes the texture of a lump of dough and makes it rise when baking. Jesus described the kingdom of heaven using the analogy of this common ingredient. Leaven, or yeast, a single-celled organism that has the power to transform the entire substance in which it is hidden. As a believer, Jesus taught that the kingdom of heaven is first of all within you, Luke 17, 21, working like leaven to transform your nature so that it reflects the character of God. That same kingdom must transform your environment, society, and sphere of influence. That divine nature of God within you is supposed to work like leaven in your sphere of influence, causing you to affect the atmosphere and environment where you are in such a powerful way that you subdue it to reflect the atmosphere of the king's domain. In this way, you become the answer to the petition, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you are born again into his kingdom, You are empowered to invite others to come under His rule and to extend His principles of love, kindness, forgiveness, integrity, and all the nature of His kingdom into every sphere where you have influence. You are to grow and mature in your relationship with Christ until you permeate society with the loving nature of the kingdom, like the leaven that leavened the whole lump. As I have mentioned, Your focus and motivation cannot be simply to wake up in the morning to go to work and make money and pay tithes to your church. I tell the businessmen in my church that they must enlarge their vision to embrace the kingdom purpose for their businesses. You don't work to get money. To make the kingdom of God a priority, as Jesus taught, you must view your job as the sphere of influence where you are called to welcome people into the kingdom and to extend the principles and lifestyle of the kingdom. What is the biblical definition of a calling? It is your purpose and destiny, the reason for your existence. The Apostle Paul begged the believers to fulfill their calling in God. 
I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Ephesians 4, 1-3 As I wrote earlier, from the beginning God created mankind to spread His glory and subdue the earth taking responsibility to bring people into the kingdom, and to together extend the principles and lifestyle of the kingdom. God created you specifically to bring his kingdom into a particular arena of life, to subdue your promised land. After the children of Israel were given entrance supernaturally into the promised land, their assignment was to fight the giants of the land and rout out the beasts of the field little by little, until the land was subdued and filled with the glory of God. Though the giants and beasts of the land are different, that assignment is the same for believers today. If you are not fulfilling your kingdom assignment, ask God about your job to see if you are positioned where God wants you to extend His domain. Are you pursuing your vision and mission in life to fulfill your calling to extend the kingdom? If you are, then make sure you are motivated to pursue the values and principles of the kingdom and to extend the lordship of God over the sphere of influence he has given you. That means your goal is to be the best employer or the best worker in your company because your goal is to promote God and his dominion first of all. And you are not doing your job primarily to get paid. Your salary is a mere compensation for your work, not the motivation for working. The value of the workplace is calculated by how great an opportunity it gives you to leaven that sphere of life with the divine nature of the kingdom of God. Many well-meaning believers so often naively think that their job is automatically their calling and where they are supposed to promote the kingdom of God. However, I must differentiate between a person's calling and their workplace. Your workplace is where you are employed to do a certain work for a salary. Even though as believers we need to do our best and render the best services wherever we find ourselves, the truth is that our job or workplace is not necessarily our place of calling. Our calling is the thing that God has supernaturally built into us, or better still, it is the mission that God has committed to us before the beginning of our lives. That does not necessarily correspond with our job or even our profession. For this reason, it is essential that we seek the face of the Lord about what He has called us to do and the place He has called us to in particular. There are ways we can discover what God has created us for and called us to do. I speak more about this in my book, Church Shift, which discusses the need of the church to equip believers to discover their mission for life. Please see Bibliography. In the example of Alexander Corman, which we read earlier, We learned how he specifically asked God for his divine direction for his life. That is what I teach all believers to do in my church. There are so many things that can distract us while we are seeking our personal mission for life, especially attractive salary proposals or prestige of position. However, a man who is conscious of his divine calling will not be distracted or waver because of money, peer pressure, or parental influence in choosing a particular profession. The only legitimate influence that must be considered before choosing a profession ought to be the leading of God and the calling He has given us from our mother's womb. Precious Value of the Kingdom 
In his parables, Jesus revealed the true worth of life in the kingdom of God and the passion with which we should pursue it. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Matthew 13, 44-46 Many teach that to seek first the kingdom and serve God effectively, you need to resign your job and become a full-time worker in the church or on the mission field. That is not biblical. There were no churches, no youth ministries, missionaries, or worship leaders when Jesus was teaching his message of restoring the kingdom to the earth. He simply sent the twelve disciples out to teach the principles of God's kingdom of love, to heal the sick, release captives, and to reveal the lifestyle of the kingdom to a darkened world. Then he sent out seventy others to do the same with great success. After these things, the Lord appointed other seventy also, and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whither he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, And heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. Luke 10, 1-2, and verse 9. It is important to note, Jesus sent seventy messengers to go into the cities where he was going to follow. They were empowered to bring healing and commanded to declare that the kingdom of God is near. When you go into your personal sphere of life, you are taking Jesus with you. He is there for one purpose, to establish the kingdom in that place. You must believe Jesus' teaching that the kingdom of God is within you. Then you can serve God anywhere with this kingdom mindset. You only need to know who you are called to be and what particular assignment is given you. Your Precious Treasure You need to appreciate the precious treasure that the kingdom represents. How would you answer the question, Are you willing to sell all that you have and buy your field in order to subdue your promised land, extend the reign of the king, and bring the will of God to that earth? What do you value more than the kingdom of God's love? Where do you look for fulfillment and satisfaction? What is your passion in life? Do you think God created you, putting all his resources within you, your brain, intelligence, physique, heart, eyes, and voice, simply for you to make money? Absolutely not. He did not intend for you to become a slave of money. The Bible teaches that the love of money is the root of all evil. 1 Timothy 6.10 Money is not evil. But the love of money promotes all kinds of evil. What is money? Paper bills made from trees, which are part of God's creation. Their value depends on man-made governments that rule societies imperfectly and with selfish motives. God did not call you to be a slave to human institutions. He put his divine resources in you to enable you to serve the Creator, not the creation. The amazing value that God places on mankind has not been understood even by Christians. The psalmist asks some rhetorical questions regarding the high value God placed on mankind. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? 
For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Psalm 8, 4-6, verse 9. When you seek the kingdom, you begin to understand your great worth to your heavenly Father. As you relate to his thoughts of you, your eyes are open to the destiny with which he has entrusted you. King David understood that the purpose of mankind was to have over the works of thy hands. Your destiny involves much more than working at a job, serving a company, or accumulating things. You are supposed to extend God's authority over creation, to rule over God's creation through the power of love, and cause it to come into alignment with the will of God. Unfortunately, many well-meaning Christians and Christian leaders forfeit their eternal destiny to impact their sphere of influence with God's character, nature, and lifestyle. They deny God's glory and His honor and choose to serve lesser creatures or temporal material values. In that way, they reduce God to their temporal concerns instead of subduing the earth to His benevolent kingship. As a born-again believer, you are destined to reflect His glory and subdue the earth, bringing it back to His domain. You are a member of his body in the world to bring people into his kingdom and together to establish his values, his principles, his lordship over all his creation to extend his dominion on the earth. Addicted to the Kingdom I challenge you to study the parables of Jesus to develop his passion for the kingdom. Jesus said that when a person chooses to put the kingdom first, its values, principles, and lifestyle, To that person, everything else shall be added. That is what I call kingdom addiction. When God finds a person who will abandon themselves fearlessly with all their resources, intelligence, and strength to advance the kingdom of God, he will respond by throwing all the weight and authority of his kingdom behind them to extend the kingdom through them. When Jesus said to seek first the kingdom, he was saying to let your education, your motivation, and your passion reflect his heartbeat, to subdue the people and systems across the whole earth to his supremacy, the benevolent rule of God over everything on earth. In a world filled with destructive addictions, God wants you to become addicted to the advancement of the kingdom of God. Let his kingdom be your primary, your only pursuit. Zach Johnson is a professional golfer with the rare distinction of winning the Masters Golf Tournament in 2007 over arguably the greatest golfer in the world, Tiger Woods. In his interview following his stunning victory in the most prestigious of golf tournaments, Zach said all the proper thank yous and then expressed his gratitude to God. He said, quote, I felt like there was certainly another power that was walking with me and guiding me. End quote. Zach belongs to an organization called Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which has chapters in all 50 states. These Christian athletes minister on dozens of college campuses and in more than 7,000 schools, not including summer camps, coaches' seminars, and various team prayer huddles. The goal of FCA is to help athletes become acquainted with God's game plan and to have a personal faith in Jesus Christ. 
Zach said that golf is really his ministry in an exclusive interview with Sports Spectrum magazine. Before his victory at the Masters Tournament, Zach said that he had always had a platform for Jesus. Now I just have a bigger platform. When you become obsessed with seeing the victory of the kingdom on the earth, when you are caught up with advancing the kingdom, when you dedicate your whole mind to it, you are seeking the kingdom first. When the only thing you are breathing and eating is your desire to see the kingdom of God advanced, when every strategy you are implementing is to see God advance in those areas of life that He has committed into your hands, you are seeking the kingdom first. Your supreme goal is for the advancement of God's domain and rule, His success, His victory. You are passionate about it. It is that single-mindedness that makes you one with who Jesus is. And to that person, all these things shall be added. That is the promise of Jesus to all who seek the kingdom first. Kingdom Food On one occasion, when the disciples left Jesus sitting by a well while they went into the city to buy food, a woman came to the well to draw water. Jesus revealed the way of salvation to her, and she brought her whole town to hear Jesus. When the disciples returned with food, they offered it to Jesus and said, Master, eat, John 4.31. But Jesus' response surprised them. He said, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. They wondered if someone else had brought him food. So Jesus clarified his statement, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. John 4.34 Jesus said, in essence, I have a passion. I have a mission. I am pursuing something that you cannot imagine. The kingdom is my food, my drink, and my life. The advancement of that kingdom, the growth and success of that kingdom, was his very breath. The kingdom was what he lived and ultimately died to restore us to and through us to restore the kingdom throughout the earth. And he is looking for Christians who are addicted to and obsessed by their desire for the supremacy and reign of the kingdom of God. As a Christian, you are not just the recipient of salvation to make it possible to escape hell. You must live for something greater than yourself. You must learn to live for an eternal purpose, not for the temporal present. If your goal is simply to be a good father or mother, to raise a family or to make money to acquire things, what happens when you have accomplished your goals? You are made for a much greater destiny than that. You are made for the glory of the kingdom. With this eternal perspective, you will approach every vocation and relationship with one purpose, to extend the principles and lifestyle of God on the earth. When that transformation occurs in your spirit and mind, the reason for your education becomes preparation for you to extend the kingdom of God in that sphere of life. You are passionate to become the best worker, the best businessman, the best musician, the best pastor, not for wealth or fame or position, but to demonstrate the character of God in the world. Redeeming the Sphere of the Arts as we said before, every member of the Embassy of God is encouraged to discover his talent, calling, or ministry. They are taught that everybody is created unique and carries a unique gift that is particular to him or her. 
Talent that is implanted within them will facilitate the fulfillment of his or her peculiar calling. One of the young boys who was coming to our church, but who was infatuated with the pop world, was Vadim. He had been coming to the church with his parents, but his life almost became a replica of so many lives of teenagers who don't find fulfillment in the church because of their love for pop music. However, Vadim was exposed to the teaching that kingdom principles must be brought into every sphere of life, including the so-called jungles of pop music. Furthermore, we taught that no matter how dark and evil this sphere of life is, we as believers are called to go and shine the light of the kingdom of God there, rather than running away from it. Vadim all of a sudden discovered that nightclubs and casinos could become his platform and arena for the kingdom of God, rather than the casket of evil as many view it. So he started developing his skills in the sphere of pop music, until he became the most popular and highly paid entertainer in the country. Performing in Ukraine's nightclubs and casinos, he became famous and is known by the name of DJ Light because of the kingdom principles he stands for. Today, DJ Light has an enormous influence upon the youth of Ukraine that no pastor or church worker could ever have. He has become a role model and picture of light in the darkness by constantly advocating against smoking, drinking, drugs, and sexual promiscuity. Vadim commands such respect and authority in the darkest places of our nation because he has dared to believe in his gift and the purpose God has given him. Even more importantly, he has dared to believe that God within him is the light of the world and is greater than any darkness out there. This is a complete departure from the attitude of many Christians who discourage their children from what they consider as evil, thereby making them avoid places like casinos and discotheques. Instead, we should expose them to the weaknesses of those places and impress on them the strength of the believer to subdue and overcome the very evil in them. Vadim is using his God-given talents to appeal to the youth of Ukraine through the voice of radio. Eventually, after much hard work, he became the top DJ in Ukraine. He is using this fame and notoriety to redeem his promised land, the entertainment world, for the Lord. He uses his national platform to influence people to accept kingdom principles. Because of his influence in the world of music, he can speak on other issues that promote kingdom values and extend that influence to thousands of youth. Let me emphasize that Vadim does not just work for a living, but with his personal income and talent, he is able to help promote and extend kingdom initiatives. His passion is to see people come into the kingdom and to extend the values and principles of the kingdom, and God has given him a voice in the nation to preach the gospel. I recently heard the story of Paul David Hewson, better known as Bono. He is a famous Irish singer and musician and a well-known philanthropist. His list of honors include Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People and an honorary knighthood granted by Queen Elizabeth II of the United Kingdom. He is the only person to have been nominated for an Academy Award, Golden Globe, Grammy, and Nobel Peace Prize. Bono had a Christian background, but because of the heartless religious attitude around him, he was discouraged and even left the faith for some time. However, new breed Christians with kingdom perspectives began to tell him that he could actually use his radio music to expand the values of the kingdom. He accepted their advice. 
I listened to his last record release and found it to be the most Christian message by such a high-profile secular artist. Moreover, because of his platform, he is able to take the kingdom message to places few Christians will ever penetrate. Platforms of the Kingdom The true motivation for every life pursuit, student, businessman, pastor, employee, mother, father, is to extend the domain of God to rule and reign in the lives of people, together extending His glory throughout the earth. Life pursuits become platforms, pulpits, from which to declare kingdom principles and demonstrate the kingdom lifestyle of a man or woman restored to the kingdom of God. Jesus did not hesitate to explain the requirements for following Him and extending the kingdom of God on the earth. He painted a very different picture from what the religious leaders of the day demonstrated by their lifestyle of arrogant pomp and hypocritical religious activities. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Matthew 11.12 Passion for and pursuit of heaven's priority will mark the true believer. In addition to understanding the value and benefits of the kingdom, Jesus made it plain that there were costs involved in becoming a part of it. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? Luke 9, 23-25 There is personal cost involved in pursuing your platform for getting people to the kingdom and together restoring the kingdom of God to the earth. But the reward, when you choose to die to your selfish agenda and follow Christ wholeheartedly, far exceeds the cost. When you seek first the kingdom of God, He will throw all His weight and authority, all of His divine resources and His power behind you. When you give your strength to extend the kingdom, you will find fulfillment in life that God intended. Jesus' promise becomes yours. I am come that they may have life and that they might have it more abundantly. John 10.10 When you commit yourself to the kingdom, the king commits to you and you gain everything. That is why Jesus said not to be anxious about food and clothing or anything else. He is explaining that He did not create you or put all His resources in you so that you would strive and work and be anxious about what you were going to eat. He didn't create you to work all your life to make money for a living. He created you to promote the principles and lifestyle of love. He created you to know Him and to learn that He is your life. And when you commit yourself to seeking the advancement of His kingdom, the King will commit Himself to taking care of all your needs. If a man or woman would be totally committed to seek the advancement and increase of the kingdom, you would never need to worry about what to wear or eat. The king takes responsibility for you. You are his special subject, his son or daughter. The entire resources of heaven are at the disposal of a man or woman who is totally committed to the advancement of the kingdom. When the God of heaven finds people who will honor him through total commitment, The God of heaven will go to great lengths to honor them. Such a people will speak, and heaven will stand at attention to give them the desires of their hearts because they are totally abandoned to the desires of God, the advancement of the kingdom of God. 
the honor and dignity of the kingdom of God becomes theirs. And in that exchange of losing your life to save it, the thing that was supposed to be your disadvantage turns to your supreme advantage. When you totally surrender to promoting and extending the kingdom, you reflect the glory and significance of the kingdom. The hosts of heaven will know your name. The angels and the Spirit of God will bypass millions of people to honor a man or woman who throws aside all of their own purposes to promote the extension of the kingdom of God. That is the addition of seeking the kingdom first. All these things shall be added unto you. Matthew 6.33 Everything is added to the man who gives his strength to seek the kingdom, who commits his wisdom, opportunities, and all his energies to seek the promotion of the kingdom. In turn, God gives him everything he has, all the silver and gold, the honor and favor of the Lord. Again, King Solomon understood the value of seeking wisdom, who is Christ, above all else. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. By me, kings reign, and princes decree justice. By me, princes rule, and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me. And those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoso findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. Proverbs 8, 12, 15-19 34 and 35. The New Testament epistles teach that Christ is our wisdom, 1 Corinthians 1.30. When you choose to lose your life for his sake, you will find all the treasures of wisdom resident in God's domain, the kingdom of God. You can never truly lose when you commit your life to advancing the kingdom. I have learned as a pastor, when I focus on building the kingdom, my church grows automatically. Jesus builds his church, as he promised. He tells believers to seek the kingdom, its advancement, victory, and success in every sphere of life, and the God of the kingdom will add everything you need to experience life more abundantly. Kingdom Prayer As we continue our study of the kingdom principles in the next chapter, I invite you to pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to earth to restore the kingdom of God. I ask you to help me to embrace your parables and to receive greater revelation of your kingdom purposes through understanding your teachings. Help me to focus on seeking first your kingdom. Let me receive your promise that all these things will be added to me. I want to become a God-carrier, filled with your love and spreading your glory on the earth. Thank you for your truth that sets me free to fulfill my destiny. In your name, amen. Kingdom Principles from Chapter 3 Number 1. Jesus' parables illustrate the nature of the kingdom, revealing the king's generosity and benevolent kindness to those who seek the kingdom. Verse 2. The laws and principles of the kingdom that Jesus taught did not remotely resemble the religious lifestyle of the day. Number 3. In his parables, Jesus compared and contrasted the realities of the kingdom of God with the common pursuits of mankind in every sphere of life. Number four, through these vivid dramas of life, 
Jesus continually revealed the nature of his Father's kingdom, showing the love of the Father, his humility, generosity, kindness, and mercy. Number five, as a believer, Jesus taught that the kingdom of heaven is first of all within you, Luke 17, 21, working like leaven to transform your nature so that it reflects the character of God. Number six, the man-made hierarchy, placing greater value on the service of clergy than on other spheres of service, is not biblical. Number seven, as a born-again believer, you are destined to reflect God's glory and subdue the earth, bringing it back to his rule. Number eight, Christ is looking for Christians who are addicted to and obsessed by their desire for the supremacy and reign of the king in his domain, the kingdom of God. Number nine, when God finds a person who will abandon themselves fearlessly with all their resources, intelligent and strength, to promote the kingdom of God, he will respond by throwing all the weight and authority of his kingdom behind them to extend his kingdom through them. And number 10, life pursuits become platforms, pulpits, to be able to declare kingdom principles and demonstrate the kingdom lifestyle of a man or woman restored to the kingdom of God and restoring the kingdom of God on the earth.